This is Kaya Biz with Guleton Fupi on Kaya 959. Helping you secure your future, Alan Gray is an authorized financial services provider. Well, it is Tuesday. That does mean it's Alan Gray Day. For us to really get some time to we'll reflect and review the various elements that influence our wealth creation decisions and uh, investment decisions and outcomes and also help us shift and change our behavior when it comes to uh, our approach to investing. And today we talk about something that is often discussed, specifically inflation. It's a key measure that we know that uh, Stats SA does measure, the South African Reserve Bank responds to, and also has a direct impact on our lives as consumers. Essentially, it's uh, the measure of uh, the decline or increase in our purchasing power. So how quickly things are increasing, how uh, quickly things are decreasing in terms of the prices in food uh, and cost prices, and so often is uh, colloquially referred to as the Pac-Man that might eat away at the growth of our savings as well as income. But to help us get a further the clarity on this and a direction as to where to from here when it comes to inflation, we join on the line by Londa Ngumalo, Portfolio Manager at Alan Gray. Londa, welcome to Kaya Biz. Good evening, Gugun, and good evening to your listeners. I'm happy to be here. Great to speak to you. I uh, hope I did justice to the explanation and definition of Pac-Man, excuse me, inflation rather, using the Pac-Man analogy. But maybe you can provide us with a uh, you know, more in-depth explanation of what inflation actually is before we discuss um, what the trends are currently at the moment. Um, yeah, so I do think you did an excellent job, Gugu. I, I love the Pac-Man analogy. Um, and, that, and that's pretty much, I mean, there's not much more I can add to what you've said. So in, inflation is a general increase in the prices of the goods and services that normal everyday people use. Um, and, and the implication for a, a continued or uncontrolled increase in inflation is that if your income or the growth in savings doesn't catch up, keep up with that, then any money that we have um, loses its buying power and we can buy less. Mm. That's why it's better to keep your money with a financial services institution versus under your mattress, though keeping it slightly closer to you might add some level of comfort, though, but not always ideal. That links us to understand another concept, which is reflation. Is it safe to assume that this is the opposite of inflation? So, so not necessarily. Reflation does definitely talk to something growing, just not priced levels. So when we're talking about reflation, we're talking about the increase in economic growth itself. And this is normally driven by, by government, government stimulus. So that would be fiscal policy, either government tax cuts or an increase in government spending. Or conversely, it can also be driven by monetary policy, which is where we see reserve banks either cutting interest rates or simply printing money and pumping it into the economy. So why is reflation a good thing uh, versus uh, inflation, which is often feared? So, so the reason why we like reflation is that, as I've mentioned, it, 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 reflation is associated with economic growth. And you can imagine all the good things that come with economic growth. So generally when, they, when an economy is growing, there's more job creation, there's less unemployment, mm. there's more societal, more prosperity to go around in society. And all the cohesion that comes with that when everyone has a, a, a shot at making a decent economic life for themselves. Whereas, obviously, as, as we've mentioned, with inflation, that results in the majority of the population, no matter who you are, getting poorer and poorer. 
Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of sense. And that's exactly what we want to see in South Africa. Part of the economic recovery is to stimulate mm-hmm. um, uh, increased growth, create jobs. Uh, and as you say, that will also translate into an increase in consumer spending, which is great um, um, for our economy. Where are we, though, in terms of uh, the global markets uh, regarding inflation? And perhaps by global, I really mean the U.S. Uh, and their approach to uh, interest rates and inflation, given that they're a key market that really does set the tone for the rest of the globe. So what we've been seeing from the, from the United States is we've been seeing massive government stimulus, both fiscal and monetary stimulus. So on the fiscal side, we've seen the Biden administration um, spending, uh, putting out a package, a spending package of $1.9 trillion. That, that includes sending checks in the mail to people so that they can go out and spend. Just to put that number in context, the entire GDP of South Africa is $340 billion. So the Biden administration is spending $1.9 trillion. It's a Ooh, massive amount. Huge difference. They're also, yeah, I mean, it's a huge <laughs> difference. Multiples of our economy. Mm. And, and, and further to that, they're, 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 they're proposing another $2 trillion, sorry, $2 trillion of infrastructure spending in the future. So these are massive, massive amounts. And then on the other side, we have the Federal Reserve. You, you spoke to interest rates. So we've got the Federal Reserve buying government bonds, essentially printing money and pumping that money into the economy, which, which sort of adds, is, is adding petrol to the, to the fire. Uh, along with that, the Federal Reserve has, has um, guided that they intend to keep interest rates as low as possible well into the future. At this stage, they're saying that they're not that worried if inflation increases above their target level for short amounts of time. They're looking at it on an average basis. So as long as average inflation is below their target, which I think is 2%, then they're happy, you know, they, they wouldn't necessarily start increasing rates if it went above that. So that, that's where we currently are. Um, and given all the stimulus and the growth uh, that you're seeing being pushed into the U.S. economy, that is coming through in your growth numbers. So U.S. consumer spending is up and the economy is ticking along at a nice pace. Mm. It is a, a great recovery that we're witnessing there and uh, there, there's several elements I understand that are impacting that. Um, uh, looking at the, the latest target, as you say, um, uh, the, the range is around uh, zero to uh, 0.25%, if I'm not mistaken, in terms of interest rates. But if this increases, it has a direct impact on how emerging markets might be viewed. And emerging markets are South Africa, Russia, uh, Argentina, Brazil, India, and many other peers that we actually have. So maybe help us understand why a focus on the U.S. and their central bank's approach to interest rates actually impacts us as uh, South Africans all the way here on the tip of the African continent. Yes, so so the, the United States is, just by virtue of their enormous size, a lot of times when the U.S. is doing very, very well, this, that, that has a positive wealth effect for American citizens and investors, which sees money flow into the rest of the world as that money seeks returns because everyone in the state is feeling rich. So if, if, you, if you're an emerging market like South Africa, that results in inflows into our market. And being developing countries, we, we can use all the help we can get in terms of money coming to the table to help us build up our countries. So uh, a good example, if we just zoom into South Africa, South Africa has happens to have a very large fiscal deficit at the moment. Our government is spending a lot more than what it collects in taxes. Mm-hmm. So the foreign inflows actually help us to, 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 to plug that gap. The government borrows from South African investors as well as, as those, those foreign flows help us to, to meet 
sort of to meet our expenses um, as, as a country. So th- that's what's positive about what's going on in the States right now is that we're continuing then to see that, that, that demand for, for emerging market assets, which means that South Africa also ca- captures its fair share of, of those inflows. And that's important for you to uh, help us understand that even further, because a lot of the times as South Africans, we talk about ratings agencies, right? Moody's, S&P, Fitch, and we know that they uh, have uh, all downgraded us to a sub-investment grade. So we tend to be surprised to hear that, okay, if interest rates are lower in the U.S., it's actually attractive for South African uh, um, uh, bonds and uh, international investors to bring their money here. But how does that happen when the presumption in the market is that South Africa is not a great investment destination? That's a very interesting question. It's actually quite a good one. So the whole Thank tipping you. point with the whole <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. Um, so, so the whole tipping point with the whole investment grade versus non-investment grade uh, arguments and why everyone was watching Moody's um, around just over a year ago was it was the implication for which indices we South African bonds would be included in which means which investors are allowed to actually buy our bonds. Mm. So the problem with being non-investment grade, which is what we all feared over a year ago, was that the, the WIGBY, which was the, the, the major bond index that South, Africa, South African bonds have been a part of for the better part of the last decade, required an investment grade rating. And massive amounts of money, some estimates are in the trillions of dollars, track the WIGBY. So investors either have that as their benchmark or you have passive funds which 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 track the Wigby index. So falling out of that, losing the final investment grade rating from Moody's, falling out of Wigby would have resulted in those investors who cannot hold non non investment grade being forced to sell South African bonds. So that was an important part of that important foreign demand for our bonds that I spoke spoke about that was going to disappear. So that uh-huh. was the problem. But that being said, it wasn't all lost when, as you can see, when we were downgraded. What actually happened is that, yes, initially foreign investors sold um, as, as those that had to sell out, did sell out. But then the, the nature of foreign investor changed. So as, as our yields, the interest rates on our government bonds got higher and higher due to selling pressure, it started attracting a different kind of investor who invests in emerging markets in general and who's almost agnostic um, to, to the ratings level. Mm-hmm. The catch with these investors is that they have slightly higher required rates of return, yeah. hence our higher bond, bond yields in this market. Um, but but, but all, is, all is not lost. And yes, as much as South Africa does have its issues, we, we are still, for example, part of some important indices. Uh, a key one is the JP Morgan Government Bond Index for Emerging Markets. You, you cited some of our peers being Brazil and Russia who also find themselves in those sorts of indices. So there's still a pool of money that does track that index where we would command flows. And also positively, our yields adjusted for the inflation we have here are actually quite attractive mm. compared to our peers in that index. So if you're an investor, foreign investor sitting in the States or the, or the EU who tracks the, the, the JP Morgan index, for example, it's almost um, painful to not hold South African bonds because mm-hmm. you're giving up so much, so much return. 
makes a lot of sense. I love how you've explained it and really given us a great technical understanding of it. Uh, I've been sitting and listening and absorbing all the information and I, I guess a reminder to our listeners is uh, the WIGB, the World Government Bond Index uh, that you refer to um, in, in very and oversimplified terms is really, I guess, this basket of countries that uh, make up um, 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 uh, great investment choices for certain countries and some fall out, some stay in. Um, so think of it as a fruit basket of a selection of investments that you can make and uh, looking for positive outcomes uh, based on the interest rates of some of these companies excuse me, countries rather instead of companies. Let's bring it closer to home, uh, uh, Londa. I'm loving the, the, the understanding that you've given us, specifically given that it's related to international markets, impact on South Africa and impact for us as consumers. Where are we with South African inflation and is this going to impact our investment decisions at all? Very briefly. Okay, so very briefly, so inflation was quite low in 2020, uh, averaging 3.3%, which, you know, for South Africans, if our range, the, the, the Reserve Bank's target range is 3 to 6%, you know, 3% is at the lower bound. So given that low base, um, in, in 2021, I would say inflation is more likely to increase than to decrease, mainly because we're going to see demand coming back online. So yes. for most of last year, we were locked in our houses. We weren't allowed to leave or spend money or buy T-shirts. That's not going to reverse. That demand's going to come back online and push up prices. Yep. Also, we're going to see probably see over the year rising petrol prices because oil prices are rising, and also electricity prices and other administrative prices like ESCOM, et cetera, et cetera. But still, the, the economy is quite slow. Therefore, inflation is probably going to remain well behaved within that three to six percent band. Yep. Very clear points that you've mentioned there, Londa. Thank you so much. Uh, you've really helped us understand this so much better. Uh, and a great example for us to remember that last year we weren't driving our cars, sitting at home. And now with uh, increased demand for uh, fuel and food and movement of goods and services, that will also have an impact on inflation. And as we've seen, even the increase in the petrol price. That's uh, Londa Ngumalo, Portfolio Manager at Alan Gray beefing up our knowledge on all things to do with inflation from a global point of view and how it impacts us here as a country, economy, and even when it comes to our investment decisions. Helping you secure your future is brought to you by Alan Gray. Alan Gray is an authorized financial services provider. It's been great being with you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Tomorrow, we'll be back at the same time, 6 to 7.